Lord, you made my heart a garden filled with flowers. And green grass like a carpet kissed by the morning dew. You bless the seeds of love I sown, swore my heart so they could grow. Now shelter me in your arms, Lord, cause a storm is passing through. Walk through the garden of my heart, calm the storms, Lord. Let the pretty roses fail. thinking of those lyrics of those songs and how it was a blessing it was God that gave those lyrics as I cry out Lord walk through the garden change my life I, there's a part that I have to play it says, I, I can bring the water to the roses I can I can do my part but he gives the increase Amen. he's the one that gives the rain 
He's the one that has all power. I glorify his holy name. It's all about our heart where you stand. Yeah. It's personal. Yeah. It's personal. He knows you. He knows me. And he knows exactly where we stand. Amen. Draw nigh unto him. Oh, Lord, let us draw nigh unto thee. Praise his holy name. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head.
been good to you you're sitting here breathing this morning every breath that we take is not promised but it's a gift your only son no sin to hide but you have sent him from your side to and renewed in the blood. We pr I praise him for the blood this morning and we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So you can be found in Christ this morning and keep coming. 
So sing that last verse with me, please. I was so lost, I should have died, but among us all that he does all of his mercy all of his love the pen of a writer can write every day and even this world could never contain how I Pastor to lead us and altar to pray. 
such a beautiful spirit today. I feel like the presence of God was in the songs. What Nikki spoke about, talking about the Lamb of God, what DJ and him sung about the blessing. I was thinking about how faithful God is. I was thinking sometimes you come to church and you may want to, how do you say, stand up for your favorite singer or stand up for your favorite song. You may enjoy a lot of things. You may enjoy a lot of people here. Some of them you may look at and they are some godly people here. I, I know a lot of you. Uh, personally, I know your heart. I know the, some of the things you've been through. I know some of the heartaches you've gone through, and yet you're faithful. But I want to take all the attention off of us today because I want to talk about somebody else. Larry used to tell me, talk about Jesus. Well, I'm going to talk about Jesus today. And I know when I started this this last week, I kept telling God, God, this is not a message of this time of year. This is more of an Easter message. But when she started singing the Lamb of God and when they, the songs kept resonating what God was saying, I kept thinking to myself, God, you know things better than I do. And I want to talk about something because it was laid on my heart. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. When we look into Scripture we can talk about a churches. We can talk about how great churches are. We can talk about how blessed our lives are. We can talk about the power of the name of Jesus. I'm going to talk about more about the power of Jesus tonight. But today, this morning, I want to bring something to you. Because you don't need to fall in love with this church you need to fall in love with Jesus. You don't need to fall in love with people as much as you love him. He has got to be first in your life. He has got to be seen. And sometimes I look around, I think about none of us can be God. You know, we talked about a week or so about being joint heirs with Christ, heirs of God. We're joint heirs. We're children of God. He gave us power to become sons of God. Yet we are not God. How many knows that's true? I'm not God. You know, Jesus came. He was 100% God, and he was also 100% man. How many knows that's true? He became one of us. If he didn't become one of us, then he couldn't have been our Savior. But he did, and that's what I want you to understand. We can't rise up in our flesh and be God. The only way we can be children of God is to take what God has given us, the very down payment of the presence of God into our heart. Take this word in our heart and in our mind and let it overflow and let it wash us clean from this world and the sickness of, this, of the sin of this world, the sickness of the sin of mankind. God is trying to work on us all of our life. Everybody knows that. But when I began to read this, God spoke to me in one little simple phrase. And it was Jesus. And it was saying he was a man of sorrow. 
How many understands what that means? He's a man of sorrow. You know what? I begin to read this and I begin to cry because I realize Jesus is showing us who he really is. You may look back at his life and see all the miracles. We always talk about the good things and the powerful things that he did. We talk about how he was a man and yet he told different ones, you know. He came to them and, and spoke to them the things that was going on in their life and he spoke miracles into happening and he spoke the things that the father always heard his voice. He was obedient to the father. But we don't look sometimes at the sorrow that was in him. We don't look at the sadness of Christ. Do you know that I'm not trying to put him down? I'm trying to show you something because I can tell you right now, every Christian just about that talks about their salvation will talk about when they actually begin to see who Jesus really was. Not the power not all of the things there. They begin to see the heart of him that he loved. John was the John the beloved. He was the one that Jesus loved. John knew he loved him. John knew that Jesus loved him. Why? John saw through it. And he saw the heart of the son of the living God. He saw him walking before us. He had a body, right, just like you and me. He hurt. He had feelings. You're going to find that out. And he was discouraged and depressed about those things that was going on. He was hurt down inside. But I want you to hear something, other. He went through it for a reason. Some of us believe that he just came, he was God's son, so he could do those things, but I can't do those things, so I don't even try to live up to that. But can I tell you, the part that we're to live up to is not be God. Our part is to live up to be children of God that walks with the way our Savior told us how to walk. He showed us how to go. He gave us the example of how to live this life. He said, I will be around those and I will be with those that have a, have a broken and a contrite spirit. That means their heart is broken. They're hurting. We've, I've heard it in Sunday school already this morning. Why did God love me? Why did he care about me? I was the one that was the sinner. I was the one that was out. Why does he care about me? Why would he come after me? Why would he come after Apostle Paul that was trying to destroy the gospel? Why? He was showing all the pain that he went through on the cross. He was showing you all what he had to suffer. And that's what I want you to hear. In Isaiah 53, I want you to look verse. I'll just start at verse 1. Who hath believed our report, Isaiah says, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. How many knows what that's talking about? Jesus came into this earth. He was like a root growing up in a dry land. There was no life. Israel had lost life with God. 
but Jesus came to bring life. It says he grew up, it says, as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. When, he, when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should be, desire him. You know why? Because he didn't come to flash a fancy horse or fancy outfits or to show off himself. He come humbly. He come in a little manger as a little baby all the way from the beginning to the end. You will find the humbleness, the suffering, the sorrow of the life that he lived. Yet he had joy. Yet he knew that he was doing his father's will. Listen to me. You know, sometimes we're having a hard time figuring out where this Christian walk is. I listened to something yesterday. It was talking about one of the big ministries except an Oprah Winfrey and all these people into their church and all the things that's going on. And they just boast of how great everything was. And I thought to myself, that isn't, that isn't the gospel. The gospel is when you portray who Jesus really is. Because see, I got to know he stooped that load to get me. I know he stooped that load to get you. He came down to where you and I were to come and to save the lost, to save those that had rejected him. It goes on to say, verse 3, this is the one I want to get to. He is despised. How many knows Jesus was despised? This is prophecy Isaiah is talking about, about our Savior coming. But it said, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. Not the side of, that we portray Christ. It's not what our gospel's being preached today with. They're preaching how great everything is, how blessed your life is, how everything's lovely, and you won't have no more troubles. I'm going to tell you something, though. That's not the gospel. The gospel's when you make up your mind. I'm living for Jesus in spite of the world, Satan, and anything else that tries to hinder me. I'm a child of God because he changed my life. He changed this inside heart. He forgave me. That's who we are. It said he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as I was our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. What is that all talking about? He's talking about he was not, he was not thought well of. He was put down. He was rejected. When you see him and you see him standing before the people and you see the plots that's made to destroy him. You've seen the people, the Pharisees, the religious people coming out trying to stop him, trying to hinder him. And what was he doing? Nothing but good. Nothing but good. He didn't come to hurt. He came to help. You know, my parents, like I said it before, they, they got after us. 
they corrected us. Not because they didn't love us. Not because they liked spanking us or whipping us. They did it because they loved us and they cared. And they tried to correct us. Just like this little baby. You're going to have to correct him someday. You're going to have to say as much as I love you and as much as this hurts you. I got to do what's right by you. I got to do what's right before God. I've only got one chance to do this. It says here, we esteemed him not. It says when it talks about acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him. Did you know he's informed about our grief? How many knows Jesus knows how much grief you're going through? I think you said it the other night. God knows my hurts. He knows when I cry out to him what I'm crying out about. He knows why I'm upset and why I'm worried. He knows why I can't go forward sometimes. Sometimes I have a hard time picking my feet up and going forward. But Jesus knows. He understands where you are. I don't care what you've been through. He came into this life and he experienced and is acquainted with the grief. He's informed about what's going on with it. Where am I at? Verse 4. Verse 5. No, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I want you to understand that. I want you to understand that Jesus didn't come and, and just enjoy his birthday every time he came up. He didn't have such a, a glorious time. He came as a humble child. He came through times that you and I have maybe have never suffered. Some of the things you've suffered don't seem like he's, you see that in his life, but he knows exactly what the hurt is inside of every person. He has had the trials to come to him. He knows. On down at verse 53. 53 verse 10. Isaiah 53 verse 10. It said, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his, of his soul and shall be satisfied. Who's he? He's talking about the Father. The Father will see all that Jesus goes through. And it satisfied the Father that he suffered. Now listen to what I'm telling you. He sent him to suffer for you and I. Why is he suffering? He's taking on all the grief that you have. You think you're hurting and nobody else understands? God understands. Jesus Christ came and he suffered what you are suffering. He knows what, the, what it feels like. He knows what you're hurting for. That's why he laid his life. All of that was put upon him at the cross. All of that was put upon the suffering Savior. Said it prolonged. If 
It says, the father will see his seed and shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus paid the price for you and I. He took our place. Until you see that, until you see that it's hard to accept. It's hard to accept that Jesus Christ, I have to go and I have to present myself to my heavenly father and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. You know why? Because Jesus paid all the price. He paid not only for our sin, he paid for the sorrow and the grief. That's why he's a man of sorrow. He took it all on. He understands it all. I want you to back up to Isaiah 49. I want to read one verse. 49 verse 7. This, this verse kind of stood out. I want you to hear it. 49.7 of Isaiah. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One. Who's he talking about? Thus saith the Lord, that's God, and his and it says the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One. Who is his Holy One? He's talking about Christ. Listen to what Isaiah is saying. And to him... To who? To him, to Christ, whom man despises. How many knows Isaiah wrote a long time ago, they were going to despise Jesus when he came. They despised him. He didn't come the way they wanted him. He didn't do what they And you know what? Sometimes people say, I don't like to serve God that way. I don't want to humble myself and pray and ask God to forgive me every day. So how about we just say I did it one time and it's enough. It's like I can tell my wife I loved her one time and that's enough. Ain't going to work, is it? You know what? You sin, you better go back and get on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry for the sin that I committed. Again, I'm sorry. Again, I'm sorry. Our Heavenly Father requires us to walk the walk that we're walking. He doesn't give us the Holy Spirit to just make us feel good when we want to feel good. He gives it to convict us, to bring us to the place where we call upon him and say, Lord, help me to get closer to you. Move me out of the way, less of me and more of you. If God's trying to work on that, he's going to show you things that you, you're going to have to move out of your life. You're going to have to remove. He says, to him whom man despised, to him whom nations abhor. Did you know the nations hate Jesus? They hate the gospel. You know nations, some nations won't allow the gospel in it to missionary work. They won't allow, the, they won't allow Christ's uh, gospel into their nation. They do everything they can to stomp it out says to a servant of rulers. Who's a servant of rulers? Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus came to serve. And he has served even the rulers. You know, sometimes when you see as great as people think they are, when they come to the end of their self 
and I watch when I look at King David and I read after some of the things some of the kings that followed God has said and they've done, I think to myself, he was a servant to the ruler. The ruler's if they'll only fall down before him, he'll begin to open up their country and begin to bless them. But they have to see him. But he has become that. It says here, it says, a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Do you know, did you know, I just read, I watched a thing last week about Queen Elizabeth. And Queen Elizabeth all of her time in office. Jacob, it was in that little book you read, I read too. But in, uh, in this, it tells how Queen Elizabeth always honored the gospel before her nation. She never put it aside. She has no idea what her son will do when they coordinate him and they put him in there. But for her, she made up her mind that she was going to include the gospel she always asked her nation to pray that she would do the job that God gave her to do. And I thought to myself, that's a godly woman. She may not be perfect. I don't know how much she really lived for God. But I know one thing, she put that out, that she would never ignore that the gospel and the God of the gospel was going to watch over and guide her in her life. How many of those kings and rulers, they know they need Jesus? They know when they see him that he makes a difference. It says, kings shall see and arise. Princesses also shall worship because of the Lord that he is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, he shall choose thee. Do you know when you feel, when you feel despised, you feel, you feel that sting of rejection. Have you ever been rejected? You know, maybe it's going for a girlfriend. She rejected you. You know, maybe it's going for a boyfriend. He, he turns you down. But you ever feel the rejection? Jesus felt rejected when he came. A man of sorrows. He was rejected by his own people. They connived. They did everything in the world to come against. But he came because he had to take upon him, he had to take upon him the hurt in every one of us, the sin in every one of us. He took on all of that and laid down his life and died for you and I. He's the savior of the world. He's not just a ruling king, he's our savior. He loves us. He laid down his life and died for us. I watch sometimes and I read through scriptures and I get to the John and I read how he went away to prepare a mansion and I read all the good things that Jesus said, how he encouraged and how he lifted up Peter and how he lifted up John and how he, he dealt with people. And then I read how he was hurting and I read about the, the suffering that he was going through the man of sorrows that he felt. You think you're the only one that's got problems? Do you think your sorrow God don't understand? Do you think because you've made mistakes or you've 
things that's happened in your life and you're hurt and nobody else understands. Can I tell you, Jesus knows. He was a man of sorrow. Let it go because I tell you, he paid to give you joy. Give you joy. There's joy in the morning for every one of God's children. Joy in the morning. Every one of us, there's joy. I don't care. I've lost my fathers and my mother. I've lost people that I was very dear to me. But can I tell you, there's joy in my tomorrow. Because Jesus paid it all. And Jesus took on my sorrow. He knows all about it. See, when we go to him, we can't say, Lord, you just don't understand. He already knows. David said, this is David in the 22nd chapter of Psalms, starting at the 6th verse. David said something. He said, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. And I want you to listen to this real clear. I know that's David. This is David's song. But I want you to understand somewhere in here, the Holy Spirit speaking through David. That's why it's written here. And I want you to listen to the next verse. Because this person is saying, David is saying, I am a worm. He not only says, I'm a worm, I am no man, a reproach of men and despise of the people. When was David there? When was David writing this? He might have been writing of himself. Maybe he was thinking that when, they, when one of his sons turned against him, he had to flee Jerusalem. I don't think so. I think the Holy Spirit's speaking through him. And I want you to listen to the next verse. All they that see me, verse 7, laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, he trusted, verse 8, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delights in him. Who's he talking about? He's talking about our Savior. He, them are the very words that was said about Christ. The very words. David is writing the words a thousand years before Jesus comes. And he's writing I am a worm. What's he saying? To the world, I'm just a worm. To the people, do you know to this nation, we are just about to the place where we're like a worm. They just like to just shove us under the dirt and leave us. They don't want the gospel. They don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. Listen to what I'm telling you. This is how they looked upon. That's why he was despised and he was rejected. And that's why he's a man of sorrow. He came because he loved us and yet he was rejected. If we know who he is, truly you won't reject him. You will, flow, you will run to him and you will fall on your face and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You paid for everything that I've ever heard about. And I, yet I walk on you daily. I don't go to you. I walk against you. I get involved in things that are going the opposite of what you're doing. That's exactly where Israel was. And that's exactly where the church is coming to. I'm sorry to tell you. 
but we're rejecting the man of sorrow, the one that paid our price. He took that all on himself. It was laid upon him. And he died for your pain, for your suffering, for your sin. I don't know why this comes out, but this is what God wants me to say. This is what God's telling me to tell. Because why? We fell far away from the love of Jesus. We quit thinking about what he paid for us. We keep thinking about what can he do for us. What do I have to give up to go to church regularly? What do I have to give up to live for God in my neighborhood or in my life? It might take something away from me. But I tell you, Jesus, his love is what you've got to grab a hold of. If you truly love him, if you truly see what he's paid for, what he sets at the right hand of the Father, and he speaks for us because he has been there and he took on our suffering and our sorrows. He brings us victory. Isaiah 41, 13, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, talking about the Lord, talking about Israel. And he says, fear not, I will help thee. Then listen to what the Lord says to Jacob. Talking about Israel. Fear not, thou worm Jacob. Uh-oh, he called Jacob a worm. Nobody likes that. In fact, I've heard him try to remove it out of that one gospel song. They don't want the word worm put there. Oh, no, we're much better than a worm. But I'm going to tell you something. When we reject God... When we reject the maker of all things, when we reject the greatest gift that was ever given to us as his son paying our price, let me tell you something, we are worms. We become nothing. We might as well be stamped under the ground because God gave us his all and his son paid the greatest price for you and I and we ought to be in love with him. We ought to love him from the very time that our eyes are open and we see Jesus for who he is. We ought to quit whining about anything and say, Lord, you have loved me. I have nothing that I don't give to you. I cast all my cares upon you. I bring all of my children to you. I bring all of my grandchildren to you. Because why? I can't do it, Lord. It's over my head. You have to do it. You have to reach them. You are able to save them just like you can turn our eyes around and make us see the truth and begin to walk in it. In Luke 18, I'm trying to hurry. In Luke 18, if you've got your Bible, Jesus foretells of his death. This is in the New Testament. It says then, verse eight, Luke 18, verse 31, 31 through 34. Then he took unto him the twelve, and he said unto them, Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man, talking about himself, shall be accomplished. How many knows Jesus said, come on, disciples, 
we're going to Jerusalem. Everything that's been written of me, the Son of Man, the Son of God, everything that's been written of me is going to be accomplished. We're going to Jerusalem. And then he says, for he, verse 32, for he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spit on and they shall scourge him and put him to death and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood, look at verse 34, they understood none of these things and this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. Did you know how many times God has said in the last few years, I'm coming soon. The Holy Spirit has said it many times. Prepare your heart. Judgment day is coming. Do we take the warning? Oh, no, he must be talking about somebody else. He ain't talking about us. We live in America. We're blessed. Let me tell you something. God's waiting on individuals that will fall before their face and say, God, help me to prepare for eternity. Help me to reach out to my loved ones and my friends and let them know that you're coming soon. They need to get their heart ready. They need to turn and begin to see who you really are. Because you will bring it to pass. He tells his disciples, but they didn't see it. But how many times have you told your children something and they didn't get it? Went right over their head. And you tell them again, went right over their head. But then all of a sudden one day they get it. And once they realize they get it, all of a sudden, they remember every time you told them, Jerry. It's like, oh, yeah, I know you've told me that a thousand times. You've told me that, Dad, a thousand times. You've told me that, Mom, a thousand times. I just didn't pay no attention. I didn't think it applied to me then. I didn't need it. God's telling us to tell people. Keep telling them, even if you don't even feel it. Keep telling them. Because they need to know that Jesus is. One day, the Holy Spirit's going to hit them in the back of the head. And boy, all of a sudden, it's going to dawn on them what, they're talk, what you're talking about. And they're going to find their way to him. They will find themselves under conviction. And they don't know what's wrong with them. And they hate your guts because you told them about it. They will. That's falling under conviction. You know, what's that old preacher said? If you ain't going to save nobody, at least make them mad. Get on their case, you know. In John, the 12th chapter, verse 27. John 12, verse 27. This was after the triumphal entry. After Jesus said, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. How many knows he's preparing them to understand he's going to die. He tells every kind of story, Bobby, to let them know it's coming. He tells them, except the corn and wheat fall into the ground and die, it shall not bring forth fruit. It's got to fall into the ground and die. Jesus is going to lay down his life to bring forth much fruit. Then he says in verse 27, now is my soul troubled. How many knows Jesus is troubled? 
Why? He knows the day's coming. It says, my soul's troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Praise God. That, if that wasn't for nobody, it was for Christ. It was for Jesus to say, my soul's troubled, but what do I do? Do I walk away from this walk that my heavenly father put me on? No, this is the reason I came. Yes, I'm facing death's door. Yes, I'll be dead in a short time. You won't understand. You won't see it. But I know I'm following my father's will. How many understands his soul is troubled? How many understand he's like you and me? You fa I face the dentist or I face an MRI. I'm troubled. Pray for me. I'm troubled. I don't want to go. I'm hoping somebody will call and say, you know, our MRI machine broke down. We can't put you in there. It ain't never happened yet. I need some kind of intervention, you know. God understands. In Luke 19, I want you to hear this. Luke 19, verse 41. I'm talking about the suffering and the sorrow of Jesus. Listen to this. And when he was come near, he beheld the city. He just told them we're leaving and going to Jerusalem. But as he came near, he beheld the city, and he began to weep over it. Listen to me. How many times do you see your loved ones? And you, it really upsets you. You worry. Lord, I don't want to leave them behind. I don't want to turn around and say goodbye, old devil, and see my loved one standing next to him. I don't want that. So, Lord, open up every door. Whatever that costs me, whatever pain that brings my way, open the opportunities, Lord to tell them about you, Lord. Give me the chance to tell them how much you love them, how much they need you. He wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, and thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side. What's he talking about? He's talking about 70 A.D. after Jesus left. They came, and they surrounded, Rome surrounded with Titus. They surrounded Jerusalem. They closed them off. They couldn't eat. They couldn't do anything. Why? They were going to destroy Jerusalem. Not one stone upon another. They were going to tear it down. That's when Israel got put out of their country. And they didn't come back until 1948. That many years ago. 
Jesus is telling them what's going to happen. In verse 44, and shall lay thee even to the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Did you know this is the time that Jacob and Christy had got two little babies and they're raising them? This is your time. You know what? Ten years from now, they won't be little children. You might have nine, eight or nine more behind them. But, <laughs> but, but those two won't be little children no more. They'll be growing up. But it's your time. You understand the time. You're, you're actually re, being revealed the time. Israel could not see the time. Jesus, the Son of God, was sent to them. He came first to them, but they rejected him. They pushed him away. That's why he wept. He said, you had not seen the time of your visitation. You don't see it. Do you know when God deals with a lost soul in here today? Do you know that might be your only time? It might be your time. But if you reject it and you push it away, how many more days does God owe you anything? How many more times does he pull his hand out and you push it away and he feels that sting of rejection again? When he's gave all he can give you, he don't know no more to give you. He's gave you everything. Gave you his son. He gave you a sample of the presence of God and what it's going to be like. He's given you so much to turn from this way, to turn to follow him. John 11th chapter, verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus, therefore, listen to this, saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. How many knows Jesus was groaned? He was hurting inside. He understood the grief they were in. You think God don't understand your grief? He understands. He knew. And even though he could bring Lazarus back, he knew the grief that was in Mary and those around. The grief of losing that brother. Don't tell me God don't see it. God sees it all. Don't tell me that our Savior don't understand. He understands. He understands your hurt. You may have been hurt by your parents. You might have been hurt from your wife or your husband. You might have been hurt from your children. But I'm going to tell you, turn it over to Jesus. He already suffered for your hurts. He was the man of sorrow that took it all on himself. You and I can't fix that, but Jesus can. And he works on the things that he knows that you're hurting for. He works on it. We have to have faith and believe that he's working on it. It says, verse 34, and said, 
Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Then it says, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. I think Jesus did love Lazarus. But I also know he loved everybody. And he knew Martha and Mary just didn't understand. He told Martha, Martha, I know there's a resurrection day, but I am the resurrection. I praise God he said some of the things he said. Don't, ain't you? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't leave us dead? He didn't leave us empty. He's alive forevermore, sits at the right hand of the Father. He is not dead. He died on the cross and paid our price, and that was called final, complete. It's finished. You can wrestle with it all your life, or you can hand it over to him and say, Lord, work on this. I can't handle it. It's over my head. Breaks my heart. But Lord, you got to take step in. I can't fix it. He's been looking beyond our faults and seeing our need all of our life. I was thinking of the song Matthew sang. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. His heart was broken on Calvary. His hands were nail scarred. His side was driven. He gave his life's blood for you and me. How many knows what a Savior we have? Oh, what a Savior. Come on back up, Becky. In John 13, John the 13th chapter, it says, verse 20, Verily, verily, I say to you, he that receive, whomsoever I send receives me. And he that receives me receives him that sent me. And when Jesus had said this, he was troubled in his spirit. Why was Jesus troubled this time in his spirit? What is it that he's saying here? He, he knew right then. It says he was troubled in his spirit and he testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you, one of my very own, is going to betray me. Listen to me, Jesus wasn't happy about it. He was sad. He was sad that one of them that had been everywhere he'd been, that saw him help so many people and be there and answer so many needs, and yet they would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. He was troubled inside. What are we paying for our soul? What are we giving up Jesus for? What's so important that we're Surrendering our life to something that's taking us away from Christ. Look at the troubled soul that he had. In Matthew 26, I want to read this. I'm getting close to over here. It says in Matthew 26, verse 38 and 39, but it says, talks about Jesus told Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He called those three out. 
my soul's exceedingly sorrowful. How many remembers him saying that? How many knows this is the beginning of Jesus' hard days, the sorrow? He's fixing to go to the cross. He's in the garden and he's crying and he's praying. And he calls them out. And he said, my soul's exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And in verse 39, and he went a little further. Listen, and he fell on his face. Ryan, only one place outside of here that I could find where someone fell on their face. That was Moses. When he cried out for the people, he fell on his face. Jesus fell on his face. He surrendered it all. You know, he was basically falling on his face. He was in so much sorrow. He prayed. It says he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. You think it was easy for him to say that? He was grieving inside. He knew what he was facing. His flesh was fighting against him. But he fell on his face. You know what we need to do? Fall on our face before him. We need to fall on the face, our face before Jesus and say, Lord, you suffered it all for me. Why, why dear Lord, do I reject you? Why do I turn away from you? Why would Israel turn away? They rejected him. They didn't understand the time of their visitation. In John 16, verse 20, Jesus told his disciples, Verily, verily, I say to you, that you shall weep and lament but the world will rejoice. You shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she's in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And you now, therefore, have sorrow but I will see you again and your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man will take from you. There's sorrow in this life. But don't worry about it. Jesus went away, but he says, I'm coming back. And we that know him know his promises are true. He will bring it past. First Peter 2.21 says, For even hereto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. What is the example Jesus is telling us about? Humble yourself. Pay the price. The Bible says take up your cross and follow him. That means it's going to cost you something. That means it ain't the, 
the joy of the blessings of all the good, pleasurable things in life. Not that I'm telling you to have to walk away from anything. I'm telling you, you have to turn your life to Him. If the church don't fall back in love with Jesus, the church is in trouble. Because we obviously hear Him cry out to us to repent, and we don't repent. We're holding back. We're rejecting the messages. I'm not telling you, you're rejecting me. You're not rejecting me. You reject him. And I reject him if I turn away from what he tells me. He left us an example to follow. We're to follow that example. It says here, who did no sins, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He didn't say, that guy cuts me off. I'm going to run up there and cut him back off. I'll run him off the hill. If there's, a, if there's a river, I'll run him into the river. You know, that wasn't Jesus. He said he, he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. But he committed himself unto him that judges righteously. He, he who his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live into righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were his sheep going astray but are now returned to the shepherd and the bishop of your soul. How many knows if you know Christ you were on the road rejection but now you've returned to the bishop and the shepherd of your soul. He, whatever he desires, wherever he leads his sheep, we're to hear his voice and to follow him. That's what he's saying to every one of us. He's paid that price. Everybody stand if you will. Despised and rejected, Jesus paid a price you and I sometimes I would hear people say I understand God sent his son he paid a price that we couldn't pay so what's the big deal what are we to do about it it's none of our business that was his call that was his call in life I got my own call I've got all these children to take care of I got all this job I got to do you don't see it you don't see Jesus you don't see that he's paid a price for you and I. It's why we serve him. He is the man of sorrow that loves us that much. How much do you love him? How much have you turned over? Or how much are you rejecting him today? I'm not trying to condemn nobody. Don't reject him. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, pay attention. I told you before, I've been rebuked by God. I've had him to tell me, I don't want to hear that. I want to know I, I need workers. I don't want to hear you whining. I feel like God said that directly to me. You know why? Because I was whining. Yeah. Every one of us. 
need our Savior. We need what He has provided. Fall in love with Him again. Look at who He really was, the man of sorrow. He suffered a great amount in the three and a half years of His ministry. He suffered a great amount. All through Scripture you find it. He was troubled in His spirit. He grieved for you and I. Not for his own, not for what he had done. You come while they sing something. Empty and broken, I came back to him. A vessel unworthy, so someone say one time the church is not a schoolhouse church is a hospital 
where people come to get better. And I want you to think about that because the Holy Spirit's always drawing us where his children will pray for you, where the children of God will gather together. You may say to yourself, I don't got no problems. I don't need nothing prayed for. I'm going to tell you, that's your problem. You need to understand we're not done yet. As long as we're not done, God's still working on us. God's still working and molding and making us. He didn't throw the clay away. He didn't scrap us because we failed him. He works on us. Always, you know, we're not always going to be sad. We we love to feast. We love to eat. We love to we love to sit around and laugh and enjoy life. But that's only because we know our Lord. All things we give to Him, and we have a peace and a joy in our heart. You know what? I, I'm not trying to put you down on a, on a low thing of being sad. I'm trying to tell you Jesus paid a price for you and I that we can bring our cares to him. And we can get better and we can have joy. And, I, you know, I, I see so many elders with a smile on their face. Every time I see an elder smiling, laughing, uh, joking, kidding, you know, Patty will put her fingers behind her back, cross them. She'll tell you anything. No, she's a good person. But can I tell you, she enjoys life. And you know what? We ought to be enjoying life. But it's hard to enjoy it when you're burdened down. And your sorrows, you haven't got nowhere to take them. Pretty soon you become the whiner. You become the one that's always looking in the negative way instead of the positive. We need to bring them to God. Cast your care upon him. He cares for you. If he didn't care for you, he wouldn't let his son die that way. He paid a price. He suffered for you and I. Praise God.